0: Hey, Natty Smith here, co-host of the Superstructure podcast. You're about to hear a free preview of the premium content, the Money on the Left, uh, Superstructure Patreon, and we got Mr. MMT Humanities, Scott Ferguson, continuing his blockbuster course. And today he's going to talk about 2001, A Space Odyssey from Kubrick, so... It's going to be a barn burner. If you want to access the full lecture, again, sign up for Patreon membership. And it's always important to state this is not a hard paywall. If you need a financial hardship membership, just contact any of us. You know where to find us. All right, thanks. Enjoy. Enjoy. Kubrick wanted to do was, well, lots of things. But one thing was he really wanted to tap into the reality of contemporary science in a way that sci-fi had not done so before. And that meant a variety of things. And this kind of technical specificity was really important. Um, At the same time, if you know Stanley Kubrick, he is no conformist. (laughs) And if you had just seen his previous film called Dr. Strangelove, Um, you would know that he's quite the critic. Um, You know, there's all kinds of critics. He's not, let's say, like a Marxist critic. Um, Those, you know, critics come in all all kinds of breeds. But um, he definitely, um, most of his films take on a kind of, cultural historical moment or ethos sometimes it's allegorical and set in the past or it's set in the future sometimes it's set in the present but it, he he's always got a kind of sly um at least always a tinge of irony um uh, kind of just spin like his his films tend to be um just kind of imbued with a sense of criticality that you can't necessarily always pinpoint but that's sort of always there sometimes you can though so for example um, dr. Strangelove is absolutely a comedic critique and kind of hysterical send-up of Cold War logics and the military-industrial complex um, it's all about the bomb it's all about the about nuclear uh, weaponry, uh, And it's about the kind of uh, the hubris on the part of the United States, but also the Soviet Union to to enter into this decades long arm race, arms race, um, you know, creating these gigantic nuclear stockpiles and then essentially, you know, agreeing um, and then eventually formally agreeing to never use nukes um, in any circumstance. Uh, and this was, this became known as the doctrine of mutually assured destruction. So it's like, well, you know, if all the big powers have nukes, then we all sort of, we all have the power and we all don't want to blow up the entire planet because then everybody loses. So how about we just, you know, the two superpowers will arm up. We can destroy each other overnight, but we're not going to. And, you know, because it's a mutual assured destruction, the thought was, then, you know, then we're gonna be okay. So yeah, this was mad. It was maddening, and many people criticized it. Um, and and Kubrick, uh, in in Doctor Strange Love, does it right. I mean, basically, he 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 depicts the people in charge as being you know hubristic in pursuit of mastery, and yet kind of like just nuts right (laughs) crazy and shouldn't be in charge of the bomb or any bombs Um, and you know the 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 film ends with with supposedly the nuclear apocalypse right but the whole thing is kind of zany too and it's really dark dark comedy right so when you come to this film and there is this kind of reverence I mean 2001 there's this reverence for this military industrial complex don't be don't be too lured in by that or fooled by it because this is a director who does not have a reverence or, or he, he does not have a track record of being reverent for this white, patriarchal, military, industrial complex. Right now, I don't want to say there's no reverence there because there there is and there is awe and wonder and those things. But but I also want to if you didn't, if this is your first time through this crazy movie, um, call your attention to the variety of ways in which this film is still critiquing, ironizing, problematizing um, this this kind of uh, uh, wonder. Um, So some examples. Um, Like, in a different way, but but like um, the previous film, this film is absolutely critical of a kind of will to absolute mastery. Um, Incidentally, that's going to be a a, a thorough, a a through line in the blockbuster too. There's always characters who want to like basically control everything. Um, And you could say that that's influenced by Kubrick, but I think it plays out a a little bit differently here. Um, Also the, the lead characters in this film, which are mostly white, hetero male characters um they are deliberately at best kind of vanilla and lifeless and can only engage in in um vapid small talk um at their worst uh they're deceptive they're controlling and deep down they're they're incredibly violent so despite the fact that we have all this, you know, behind the scenes working with the military industrial complex, and maybe there's complicity there. I mean, that's fine. One could make that argument. And even though there's a reverence in the aesthetics of the film for NASA, for JPL and, and, and corporate extensions of the, right, you know, Hilton and uh, Howard Johnson's and Bell, Bell technology, Bell Labs, these kinds of things, IBM. Um, even if there is that reverence, there's also this undercutting, this tension of undercutting. Um, I think another way that, um, there's a tension here and there's a kind of ironic undercutting, uh, of course, is the soundtrack. Uh, so he was, the studio MGM, uh, forced him to get a score because they were dumping all this money into it and it was unheard of for a film that that was costing this much money um you know to be a you know we talked about a roadshow picture uh, with a spectacular opening uh, to not have its own unique score that was made for this and um the the composer composed you know probably hours and hours of music the composer went to the the opening of the movie thinking that that he was going to hear his music and none of it appeared instead Kubrick uses a lot of silence, right some heavy breathing um, in kind of defamiliarizing uh, estranging uh, sometimes shocking ways uh, and then and then also he ended up liking a lot of the music he used for what are called temp temp tracks. so when you go for years and years and years you go and you you edit your movie before your score is done, you use you know, other scores that have been or other music or classical music or whatever uh, from other sources just to get like, just to, to have a rhythm to edit to. Right. And then once you get that rhythm and you edit to that rhythm, the the composer comes in and actually kind of interprets the rhythm of the, of the visual track that has been established based on another set, of, another musical piece. And then and then changes it entirely, essentially, right? So there's a kind of like relay chain in that way. So Kubrick just was like, no, I'm going to use my temp track music. And you could say there's sort of like two different kinds. There's um, a kind of triumphant German romantic uh, uh, orchestral classical music um, that's very kind of melodic in the most traditional uh, Western uh, uh, way. And then you have the, these modernist pieces or excerpts of pieces, mostly from a, a composer named uh, Leggett, uh, Um And often, you know, a, atonal pieces, lots of kind of strange, like, noises, and the, it, there's a kind of, like, polyvocal anarchic feeling to a lot of these moments, right? And so, the extreme contrast between this highly modernist, atonal, unnerving score mixed with the, you know, cre- melodic crescendos and triumphs of um, of this Germanic music, each one kind of like undercuts the other one. It's like you don't fully feel and believe <laughs> that that this is a triumph <laughs> because you've just experienced these whatever you know these vanilla uh you know liar lying astronauts and officials you know um even though now you're you're going on a great you know sublime epic epic journey with them right um anyway it cuts both ways so those are just some of the aesthetic forms i wanted to draw your attention to to suggest that you know this is not a straightforward film and that it seems to be deliberately kind of pushing in two directions at once or at least two when it comes to its aesthetic sensibility